Hello, welcome to the Electric Car Podcast. And this evening we have a, a special guest. His name is Mark. He's from Waterloo in Canada. And he's representing the Waterloo Voltec Group. Is that right? Did I get that right? That's, that's right. Uh, hello, Danny. Hello, listeners. Um, happy to be here tonight. Brilliant. Okay. So uh, the Voltec Group... Um, I know that's something to do with the the Chevrolet. Correct. Um, uh, Sh- Chevrolet has uh, produced a uh, an engine drive system that they uh, called uh, Voltec, and that is uh, a drive system that is a uh, electric uh, drivetrain uh, in combination with uh, a gasoline uh, backup generator, and uh, they had uh, produced that drivetrain and placed it inside of uh, the initial 2010-2011 Chevy Volt uh, that was put into production and uh, was was, uh, the year model years of 2010 to 2015. And recently, uh, uh, Chevy has uh, expanded upon that and made a second generation uh, with the uh, Voltec powertrain as well. So a second generation car was released in 2016. So um, here in the UK, uh, General Motors have always gone under the brand name of Vauxhall and in the continent of Europe, excluding the UK, it tends to go under the name of Opel and I believe here it's known as the Ampera, the... Uh, yes. The... Well, we, there's... there's um, a slightly unfortunate uh, similarity with the name Volt and Bolt, isn't there? <laughs> there, there is, uh, and I don't think it was. You know, I don't think it's uh, it's it's something that they they banked on uh, because they chose the name over a period of time, and there was the controversy immediately about it being sounding so similar. But uh, you find that um, uh, Chevrolet uh, representatives will call it. Uh, the Volt, and then they'll call the other one the Bolt EV, and that is the distinction they use when they're talking about the two cars. Okay, <laughs> um, I, I know that in um, in Spain, in particular, there's uh, almost a there's no difference between V and B, really. Right. Uh, so. And I think there's something like that in South Korea, if I'm not mistaken. There's there's something like that that, that there's no real no distinction. It's it's just it's just there to test us podcasters, really. How to... <laughs> <laughs> so um, yeah, we we could go Victor or Bravo for Volt or B Bolt. Exactly. Uh, so. Yeah, the Ampera. I I remember when that came out, and it was quite exciting to see a plug-in hybrid. So we're talking about a PHEV, is that right? That's right. Uh, the Volt with a V uh, was uh, produced as a uh, a car that could run on basically two drivetrains uh, that were combined. So you have the ability to plug in collect energy from your normal house socket and uh, get uh, in the original car, get up to about 35, 38 miles of all electric range. And then after that, uh, 
the gasoline motor would kick on and produce electricity to keep the drivetrain running. So you're always driving on electricity. It's just that it was either pulled from the battery or the gasoline motor was producing electricity to feed over to the electric drivetrain. Yeah, and the size of the car, um, hopefully you'll have the same sort of... We're talking about uh, the, the size of a Mondeo, that kind of size vehicle, is that right? They, they classify it here uh, as, a, as a compact. Um, it is a it is a four door uh, and a hatch uh, compact with the original car having four seats, two in the front, two in the back. Um, so there isn't a middle seat in the back. In the in the original version, there was not. Uh, you had a a hump that uh, ran from the front of the car to the back of the car uh, in the floorboard. And that's where the T-shaped battery uh, was stored. So you had this divider between uh, both sides of the seat and the front and the back. Yeah. Okay. Um, it's, it's quite an interesting thing, the difference in size, the vehicle sizes in uh, Western Europe and North America. Now, I have to admit, I've never even been to North America. Um, but and, the, and I I have never been to Europe, so <laughs> here um, I don't think we use the word compact for a vehicle. Um, we tend to have, I would say, uh, you you have a, a a mini and you super mini. Uh, do you use those phrases? No, no. Uh, <laughs> the only time a mini is used is when you're describing one of the. The BMW Minis. That's about uh, it. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Super, super Mini is tends to be like the the smallest car, like the Fiat Five Hundred. Um, okay. Uh, and then we have your sort of family size cars. I think that's I think that's how it's called, and that will be the size of the Mondeo. And I actually I I've I've obviously seen the Ampera and. Um, it looks to me to be about the same size as a family car, what we'd call a family car, like a Mondeo or um, Insignia. Do you, do you have the Insignia model over there? Uh, we do not, no. Okay, that's that's another um, General Motors um, brand. Under it, it may be here under a different name, and I'm just yeah. not aware of it. All right, yeah, sure. <laughs> okay. Um, but on the whole, what I'm trying to say is that uh, vehicles tend to be larger in in uh, North America. They do as a as a as a whole. Uh, the Volt was a bit of a, I guess a, a bucking against that trend. Um, they were looking for a a car that certainly would give them the most electric range that they could get, you know, uh, within reason. And certainly the size of the car plays into that for wind resistance. So they were looking for something that was not only aerodynamic but it needed to be of a certain weight and it needed to be of a certain size in order for them to get that 35 to 38 miles on electric range only. Yeah. And I'm sure you've, you, you'll have seen the uh, film that was made about the General Motors electric vehicle. Um, who killed the electric car? Who killed the electric car. Yeah. And uh, Revenge of the Electric Car was I the next one. I haven't seen that one yet. I must get to oh, see that you, one. Oh, you've, you've got to see that one. That's It's interesting after having the, the first one. So... 
the uh, vault was that General Motors' first uh, attempt after the EV1 at at an electric. It was. They they did have some apparent um, some concepts that they released, but nothing was released in mass like the Volt was. It was really the first the first public attempt after the EV1. Okay. And did you ever <clears throat> did you ever see the EV1 at all? I've never seen it in person. Uh, I have seen it in pictures and of course film. Uh, and I know there's only about four or five of them have, uh, left. Um, around North America, and, and they're in museums, uh, most of them, and I believe there is one in a collector's hands. But uh, I've only seen it. I've only seen it through film or, or photographs. Mm, okay. Um, so yeah, I was very tempted to purchase the Ampera or the the Volt a couple of years ago. Um, I I went to the extent of of, of giving uh, of giving the local dealers a call. No, sorry, the national the national dealers are called. Um, at the time, they I, w I wanted to fit a, a roof box on it, and they were saying, "No, I'm not sure if you can do that." And then they said, "What about towing things, like a trailer?" And they said, "No, I'm not sure if we can tow things either." They were they were being very hesitant about that. I was, has that been relaxed? Uh, the, the the car certainly can have a what we would call a roof rack. Yeah. Uh, which is, I'm assuming, a, a box. And uh, a number of uh, Volt owners, uh, first generation and second generation, have installed trailer hitches on the car to tow light tip trailers or to tow uh, uh, bars that would hold uh, bicycles, uh, things of that nature. But uh, the car is not rated for a tow hitch on either model. But a number of Volt owners in here in North America have certainly gone by that and installed their own. Okay. Um, so, um, do you use the term caravan? Uh, sorry, it might be sound obvious, but do you use that term for like the a minivan? Um, no, for when you're towing. Um, oh no, no, I, that's that's new to me. No, I we would not. It would just be called towing. <laughs> I never heard of, although it makes sense now that you say it, but uh, that's not in in the typical language here. All right, okay. Um, in in the UK, there's uh, it's quite popular to have what we call a caravan, which is uh, I, I don't know what you call it, a trailer. Do you call it a trailer or something like that? You call it a trailer. Yeah. Uh, the thing that you can sleep like in, a, and... like that would would ha have a pop up tent in it, or or it would be able to, you know, carry uh, some uh, some physical items from one place to another. Yeah, or, or you you go and um, you you go camping in it. Like right, the, that that would be the pop up trailer. Yeah. Pop up trailer. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so <laughs> it's, it's it's weird, really. You know, we have this uh, divided by the common language. I think we call it. <laughs> um, but we we. We use the we use the word caravan here um, as this, and and a caravan here is a quite quite a popular minivan uh, that is uh, put out by Chrysler here in uh, here in Canada and the United States. All right, okay. So yeah, going going back to what I was saying is, um, I, th I think the the Volt was 
relatively new to the UK and I'd, I'd given the, them a call and they were very hesitant about what you could do with it with with regards to towing and such like so um, I ended up not not buying it but um, maybe that maybe that was a, a overly cautious thing to do so so how long have you had your vault um, I purchased a, I actually purchased a used uh, 2012 volt in the summer of 2014. So okay. that 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 car, um, I was able to come across a used one that someone had leased it from the auto company, and they wanted to get out of the lease uh, a year early because we typically have three year leases here in North America. Yeah, same here actually. Okay, uh, yeah. so someone was trying to offload basically the last year of the lease, and I thought, oh, this is a great opportunity that I can get involved with a car that I've been following and not really have the risk of you know full exposure to it because I would only have the lease for nine months, and at the end of the nine months, I would have the option of either turning it in and walking away, or I would have the ability to put down the residual and purchase the car. So it was my choice at the end of the nine months. So I thought this was a great way for me to get into a, a new type of automobile that I had only followed online uh, and really was concerned about what would I really be getting? Would I like it? Uh, would it fit my lifestyle or not? So I, uh, I jumped at the opportunity to to take that lease over for nine months. And it only took me a couple of weeks and I was hooked. I love the car. Mm. I've never heard of that idea of jumping into the third year of a three-year lease. But now that you've described it, it's actually incredibly logical. That's almost the best of all worlds, really, isn't it? Where you? Yeah, it was. It was very low risk for me. Uh, and... Uh, at the end of it, I, I had the choice, you know, did it work for me? Then I could move forward with it. If it didn't work for me, I could walk away and just had the experience. So you're paying a certain number of dollars a month for, uh, for that lease. I, I was, I was offered a, a Nissan or Nissan. Um, and, and here it was going to be about 200 pounds a month. So that would be about, um, two say 240 US dollars or something yep. like that is that is that approximately you, what you would be paying for the volt uh for the volt uh i was paying quite a bit more uh it was it was more like 500 dollars uh canadian which would be about you know at this point about uh maybe 380 dollars US um right. so it was okay. it was a higher amount uh but it was also because the person who had purchased it on the lease, he was one of the pioneers. He got involved with it immediately. He got one of the first uh, volts that were introduced into Canada, and he went with it. Uh, so he, he paid a higher lease price, hmm. and what, or signed signed up for it. What sort of cost is it if you if you were to? Um, not that many people actually do this. Actually, go and buy the thing for on your credit card. Is it? Is it uh, $40,000 or something like that for a new one? Well, uh, as the story goes with the car that I had, um, I believe that they were sitting around $45,000 Canadian at that time. 
Um, they have um, they've come down quite a bit, uh, and uh, actually about uh, six uh, weeks ago, um, I purchased my second Volt and I bought a brand new one. Wow. Okay. And sold my original one uh, to my daughter, so now we have two Volts in the family. That's great. And the new one has a upgraded battery and stuff. Yeah, it it uh, it has a uh, a battery that uh, increases its range uh, by about forty percent um, over the original. So where the original was was rated at thirty eight miles, uh, the new one is rated at fifty three miles. That's getting quite serious, isn't it? Fifty three miles. Yeah. Okay, so and the the great thing about it is once you drive a Volt and start to understand how to use the regenerative braking, how to glide a little bit as opposed to be always on the accelerator or on the brake quickly, how to glide a bit. Um, I can easily stretch that 53 rated miles into uh, 80 miles, no problem, uh, during the uh, spring, the summer, the fall here in Canada. 80 miles on pure battery. On pure battery. Wow. Single charge, 80 miles. I didn't expect that. And for the vast majority of people, again, this is an odd thing because the UK is a a different country to Canada. Canada is a huge, vast, vast country. Um, But I suppose on a day-to-day basis, the average person is only going to be traveling five, ten miles here, five, ten miles back? Correct. Um, I think the statistic is 85% of the population of North America travels 30 miles or less in their daily commute. So that isn't actually that different to the UK, really. And and then you, you then just have the occasional long drive to see a relative or something, Who's, exactly. And who, that's where the Volt excels is because it's got that gasoline generator backup motor that if you want to drive across the country, you can do it as long as you have gasoline. Mm. And then once you arrive at your destination, you plug it into the wall, it charges up again and you get that that uh, you know 75, 80 miles of range the next day. And do you, do you therefore bother charging up at uh, charging stations on the way, or do you just say, well, this is a one-off and I don't really care about that? It, it depends on your time schedule. Certainly, if, if I'm going somewhere and I'm stopping for lunch or I know I'm going to be somewhere for an hour or longer, then I'll, I'll seek out an opportunity charge if I can do so. Uh, but if I cannot or if time is an issue, it doesn't matter. I just keep going. Okay, yeah. It does actually seem like... Um, a, a very very practical vehicle for a substantial part of the of the population. Um, I don't know what you might call a use case or something like that, but uh, it, it's quite a broad use case, isn't it? Yeah, the the car really can work for a, a broad uh, swath of the population. There's no question. Um, I look at. You know, the people around me that I meet in my daily life and, you know, unless you have a very large family, um, you know, the car can work for really anybody. 
Um, certainly it's, it's, it's kind of, uh, I explained it to some people that it's really an all electric car when you want it, but if you need to use gas, it's there as a backup. So, yeah. you know, you're, you're never hampered by uh, a possible range anxiety, uh, or getting somewhere and discovering that the charger you thought was there is broken or unavailable with the volt. You know, it, it's a minor inconvenience because you just keep driving. The car switches over to gasoline. You get to your destination, and then you plug in again and start the process over again. Hmm. Yeah. So, does do you kind of get confused about the hype behind the the BEV market, the 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 Tesla and um, the other pure pure battery electric do you, does that make you think well i don't know why they're bothering with that or well i i can certainly see that over time as as the batteries increase in size or in density or in mileage on a single charge there could come a point where you know what the volts really not as as attractive as it has started out to be because there will be other solutions that allow you to forego the uh, gasoline motor altogether uh, in some cases. But from the beginning of the electric car movement to present day, uh, I would say that the Volt makes a compelling case uh, for anybody to get involved with it and get that taste of using electricity and understanding how it works uh, and really have no inconvenience attached to it whatsoever. So... Chevrolet this was it this year or was it late in 2016 brought out the Bolt which is the BEV um, correct the range is around 200 is it 230 miles something like that yep 238 is uh, what it's rated for yeah and I, I've had the pleasure of driving one I, I had a, a loaner a friend uh, provide me with one of them for four days and I was able to drive it yeah. and its range is what it states. Uh, uh, certainly you can, uh, you can get beyond it just like I've done with my Volt. Um, there are many people that have been able to move that 238 up into the closer to 300 range, uh, in the summer months that the car has been released. Wow. So, so the, the car, you know, it, the range that they provide you with on the, the sales sticker, that is because in the winter months here in Canada, uh, you certainly get less range because the battery's colder and it doesn't produce uh, as, as, as easily uh, as it does in the warmer months. So they, they, they publish the lower end of the stats so people aren't disappointed when winter comes, they know that the car is rated for that much and it will perform to that much. But during the spring, summer and fall, you get an extra bonus of mileage. Well, that's that's almost the complete opposite of how things are marketed here. Um, where I don't know if Renault have a big name over where you are. They, they don't, but Nissan does. Okay, so so Renault have been um, marketing a, a a pure BEV vehicle, um, but it's the opposite. They they tell you the range in the most ideal conditions. Right. Um, but then when you look on the website, 
it has it has these kind of interactive. Um, you can adjust the conditions, and it will tell you how how far it's going to go in these conditions. Um, oh, I see. Which is going to be an awful lot less than um, than their headline rate. Um, so it's interesting to, to to hear the idea that they might even be in in some ways almost underestimating the the range of the of the bolt then yeah and certainly if you're in a if you're in a, a weather climate like say um, Florida or California where you've got warmer weather all year round you are consistently going to go beyond the stated range now that of course there are other things that play into it obviously uh, if you're uh, you know, going 75 miles an hour all the time on a freeway, then, you know, you're going to get less range. But if you're, if you're driving at the, you know, 55 or 50 uh, mile marker, uh, you get a lot more range. Uh, so like even in a gasoline car, uh, there are, you know, there are ways to reduce mm -hmm. your gas mileage, uh, by how you drive. The, um, some of this, some of the stats about how often you refuel uh, the the vault is incredible. People are talking about um, refueling on a, on a sort of two every two or three months. You know, almost every quarter quarter year. Yeah, is... that's and that's absolutely true. You know, depending on the commute distance that you have. There is, you know, uh, there is certainly a chance that you will hardly ever use gasoline on your regular daily commute mm. over weeks, months, and even years. The the car is set up so that, unlike some other versions, like say a Prius that is a, a true hybrid that uses gasoline and electric at the same time, yeah, the Volt will use battery, no matter how hard you push into the accelerator. It will use only electricity for its drive until the battery is dead then it switches over to the gasoline generator but all that time you're driving and you have battery power you're on electricity and and the gasoline is not running it's not active it's not doing anything it's not it's not using gas at all in fact with my new uh, volt that i picked up about six weeks ago the dealership provided me with a full tank of gasoline on the sale. Uh, and I've driven now 7,000 kilometers. Now I'm switching things gears because I don't know what kilometer 7,000 is in miles, but 7,000 kilometers and I haven't used a drop of gas yet. That's incredible. One of, one of the things I, I do like to sort of think about the, in, the wider picture of the economy of the world in a way and it is quite astonishing to from i when i think about if that means that vehicles can pretty much exist with only a fraction of the current usage of of um of gas what we call petrol um the demand for oil uh, for for gas is is surely going to plummet over the next 3 5 years or so I mean, just one vehicle like that. If you, if you if your re reduction in your fuel consumption is going to be as dramatic as possibly ninety ninety five percent, it's almost feels like it's the end of the the oil era, really. 
certainly if these cars uh, were to catch on with uh, the general public, you're absolutely correct. Uh, oil could, you know, oil's grip on the world could disappear quite rapidly because that, that you know, in here in Canada, I think the number is oil is used about 70% uh, in transportation. And of that 70%, uh, roughly uh, half of it, I believe, uh, is uh, for uh, light duty uh, trucks and, and passenger cars. So taking, uh, you know, a, a third of the market away uh, would be devastating to oil, I'm sure. Yeah, I've looked at, um, I, do, I do follow these um, sort of wider economic markets as well. And one of the things that I don't think they take into consideration is that the very people who use the most gasoline are the ones who are most motivated to switch to some kind of PHEV alternative or or a pure battery alternative. So exactly, yeah, because that's certainly that's something that you know financially you could benefit from. Yeah. So the person who, in my country, let's say a lot of people work in London or they work in Oxford or Bristol or something like that, and they live maybe 30, 50 miles away, those, those are the people who are using the most gasoline currently, and the very same people are the, the ones who are going to be most motivated to be switching from their current um, BMW or Audi or whatever towards um, the Volt, Bolt, Tesla um, and here there's uh, weirdly there's this popular uh, Mitsubishi called the Outlander I don't know if you've heard of that I, I've seen one. They've brought it to North America, but they're not selling them here. The, there's no production for North America of the Outlander. Well, here where I live, you see the Outlander more than any other plug-in hybrid. I don't know quite why it is, but it, it's the Mitsubishi seem to have sold a lot of these here. Yes, we've heard those reports here in North America, but... And they keep saying they're going to introduce the Outlander, but every year, for whatever reason, they pull it out of the lineup. And I, I, mean, I got to believe it's something to do with they can't fulfill the orders in Europe already, and there's no point in opening up another market that they're going to have to disappoint. Yeah, it must be that. But with the um, the Volt, which is the Ampera, I don't know what it's called in um, continental Europe, but it'd be an Opel something. I see at least 10 of the Mitsubishi Outlanders for every one of the, um, the Volt. Yeah, and I understand that the, the, the Volt to this point, um, all their cars are produced in uh, a little Hamburg inside of um, Detroit, Michigan. Uh, it's a place called uh, Hamtramck. And this township or city within a city called Hamtramck has produced about 120,000 volts at this point uh, total. Um, since 2010. Okay. And and those cars, you know, certainly the vast majority of them uh, have remained in North America. I understood that the ones that did go to Europe um, seem to be 
somewhat overpriced uh, for what the market would bear. And I didn't think they had much success selling in Europe or as much as they hoped that it would. And in fact, uh, General Motors decided that they weren't going to ship the second generation Volt to Europe at all. So Europe didn't get the second generation as North America has. I'm sure you're already aware, but um, General Motors has sold the European um, arm of its operations to, I think it's the Peugeot Group, Peugeot Citroën. Yeah, I, I understood there was a sale, uh, and I understood that the new group was trying to uh, secure some line of electric vehicles from GM uh, going forward. It's a particular shame in, in the UK um, where Vauxhall, who's the the equivalent of, of the General Motors, is actually quite a big brand here. Um, the Some of the top-selling cars are Vauxhalls, so um, people are, are incredibly familiar with Nova, the Astra, and the insignia, <laughs> these, these, okay. are, these are words that probably sound like um, Martian language to you, but <laughs> <laughs> certainly um, Nova. Nova is a well-known name here in North America for a GM car. It uh, is the Nova. The Nova was uh, quite a popular car in the seventies and uh, somewhat the eighties, uh, and then uh, they tried to remake it into a smaller four-cylinder car. And it wasn't as popular, but yeah. the Nova is a familiar brand. <laughs> I just suddenly realized I was about 15 years out of date. It's the Corsa. <laughs> it's the Corsa. Sorry. It's the, the, the Corsa is, the, um, is the, the smallest one. Okay. And then you've got the Astra and then the Insignia. Um, but these, these are big selling cars in the UK, um, and some of which are, which are manufactured in... Uh, in the UK, so they're they're made in Liverpool and such like, but also know that a lot of a lot of Vauxhalls are made in um, in Germany as well, or, or maybe Belgium. So, um, but it, yeah, it's all it all seems to be up in the air because um, General Motors was losing money in Europe um, on the whole, so that so they look to just sell the brand, sell the win, yeah, yeah. Um, which is, I think, is a is a, is a great shame. I have no idea how how it's going to pan out, but um, it seems as though, as you say, the the latest generation of the Volt might not even be available. Yeah, it's not because when uh, when they made the first generation of Volt, the 2012 that I had, they had a number of different features in the car that were related to a European cell as well, uh, such as um, cars here in North America are not required to have turning signals on the exterior mirrors of the car as they are in Europe. Right. So when the Volt came out here, it had the signals on the mirrors, uh, which was, you know, kind of a, a step up from your normal car. Uh, and when the second generation came out, the signals were gone. So we know immediately that that car would not be being sold in Europe. Right. Yeah, good bit of detective work there. I like I like the de <laughs> the deduction theory. Um, yeah, so we don't know then really what's what the future is in Europe. 
but in in uh, North America, General Motors seems to, seems to be doing quite well then with with the with the Volt and the and the Bolt. Certainly, uh, they're doing well in uh, specific areas of North America. Um, some even better than expected. Um, but that also depends on the circumstance of the area that you live in. Uh, how much is the price of uh, gasoline or petrol, as you call it, uh, in your area? Uh, because, of course, if the price is too low, uh, having a uh, plug-in is not as uh, financially rewarding. But where I live in Ontario, Canada, the province of Ontario, uh, we have you know, gasoline uh, that's selling uh, in the area of uh, $4 a gallon equivalent. We sell our, we're in liters, but uh, the, the price works out to be about $4 a gallon. Uh, and certainly that is a strong uh, amount uh, that uh, it's financially viable to get into a plug-in car. Also, the province of Ontario provides incentives to electric car buyers because they are trying to reduce pollution uh, to get us to the point where we're uh, involved. We are involved in the Paris Accord uh, for CO2 reduction. Uh, so we are trying to meet goals here in the province uh, and as a, a whole country of Canada uh, to meet those goals. And so they provide some some very lucrative incentives uh, to car buyers. In fact, in Ontario, if you were to purchase an electric car, the provincial government uh, will um, give you a check for $14,000. Wow. So that greatly reduces the price of that electric car <laughs> yeah. and brings it down to a range where a lot more people, it's within their grasp. So you're talking about four Canadian dollars for a gallon of 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 gas correct four canadian dollars and, and per gallon of gas and what's that in u.s dollars well the canadian dollar is lower uh so you're probably looking at you know it's 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 about 75 70 to 75 cents is a canadian dollar yeah. equal to one american dollar so 25 to 30 percent reduction in that price uh okay so you, you're looking so at... you're looking at maybe three dollars american for a gallon. For a gallon. Gas. Okay. Well, here we are paying approximately in US dollars one 1.6 per liter, not per gallon, per liter. So so your 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 uh petrol is sold in liters in Great Britain? Yeah, it is now. It changed over about uh 14 years ago. It used, okay. be, it used to be sold in gallons, but now so it's sold. so we're we're liters here as well. So our price in Canadian at the pump today is a dollar five a liter. Dollar five a liter. A dollar and five cents per liter. Yeah, and that's Canadian dollars. So that's Canadian dollars. So that would be like eighty cents American dollars per liter. Okay, so so in the UK we are paying approximately two and a half times that amount <laughs> yeah so so that's that's a lot more severe than what yeah. we're paying and i find it financially feasible to do it here so yeah. in in your situation it is two and a half times more financially viable to do it where you are absolutely yeah yeah and now now if you reverse if you look into the united states now they're paying on average 
just over $2 a gallon U.S. for their gasoline. So it's cheaper in the United States compared to what it is in Canada yeah. uh, by, by a, a good factor. Yeah. So you will find that in some states in the U.S., say in the mid-sections of the country, that they are paying a very low gasoline cost compared to the, the coast like California that's paying, say, a $4 U.S. gallon price uh, compared to the middle states paying a $2. So there's a wide variance uh, in pricing in gasoline across North America. Yeah, I, um, I sometimes look on, on the news, you know, what's, what's happening with various um, electric car companies and such like, and Tesla and, and, and the like. And uh, you, you can read, an, I, I read an article saying that, oh, this vehicle, nobody will buy this because you're not going to save much money on, on this, that and the other. And I'm thinking, well, actually in this country, in the UK, you, you would be saving an absolute fortune on, uh, on the fuel cost alone. Exactly. Um, so because of the fuel cost, because of that, I think... I think that the UK will be buying um, electric or, you know, plug-in hybrids and, and pure electric vehicles like there is no tomorrow. I think, I really do. Over the next two, three years, um, anybody who is driving more than five miles a day, absolutely anybody, will be saving money on that. If someone, yeah. is, if someone is commuting... 20 miles to the uh, city that they're going to and 20 miles back, so doing 40 miles a day, they, they will be saving literally thousands a year on, on, the, on the fuel cost alone. So, um, yeah, I, I just think it's an interesting, it's an interesting market. Um, I don't know if you're aware, but the, there's been quite a lot of discussion on, um, on, the, on the, uh, the truck industry, the... I believe they call it semi, the semi truck. Semis, yes. Semi, semi. Yeah. Um, again, we yeah. have been following that with great interest here about either autonomous uh, semis or tr tractor trailers, as they're sometimes called as well. Uh, and of course, with Tesla's introduction that they say they're going to be coming out in September with their own version. Uh, so there's a lot of people that have that are are waiting. Uh, to see what is going to be introduced by Tesla in September. Yeah, I think they're announcing the the vehicle then. Um, Correct. I don't think they'll be in production for quite a while after. Um, right. But it's so strange when uh, I've looked on the I've looked at the the various reports on it and saying well whether people whether companies would buy these or not and uh, again it's. It's the fuel cost. Is I've I've looked at it and I've thought, well, the fuel cost of running what we call here um, an articulated we we call it an articulated truck or an articulated lorry, which okay. I've which <laughs> I've uh, I've have uh, as far as I know that's what you call a semi or semi. It is correct. Yeah. Um, because of the high fuel cost here. As I said, we're paying 
um, twice as much, basically, or two and a half times as the, the amount. That if if someone was driving this semi from London to Cardiff or something like that, and back in a day, which is uh, the UK is full of trucks going to places, and uh, they would be saving hundreds and hundreds of dollars a day just by um, not burning um, diesel and, in, and instead they'd be uh, using a battery electric. I, I honestly think that if Tesla or whoever can make a truck, say $200,000, $300,000, they could sell them like they're, they're going out of fashion here. They, they, they would be selling um, tens and tens of thousands of them because of the fuel cost difference. So um, that's, that's something. Absolutely. That... It's, it's, it's similar to the car, except on a, a larger scale. So it, it's, it's interesting that, that we, you know, as, as people that drive EVs, after just a few months of driving it, I, you know, started to clue in where these, these savings that were available to anybody to use the car is versatile to be used by you know most of the population, and I've got to believe that uh, as as sales numbers have shown here in Canada is that they're starting to ramp up. People are starting to get the news and understand how it can affect and and how they can be financially uh, better uh, by having the car as well as its other you know uh, nice abilities such as it. It doesn't produce uh, any any pollution, and it's quiet, and uh, it's instant torque, and all the other things that EVs uh, bring to the table. Uh, but as people are starting to wake up to it, uh, as you mentioned, there could come a, a quick reckoning to oil companies very uh, surprisingly uh, overnight, almost uh, as in terms in terms of uh, a timeline where people will start switching in mass and that will quickly turn the table about, you know, what gasoline is sold for, uh, how the taxing structure works, uh, how governments get their money from it. There could be a very big upset coming uh, for the industry as a whole. Yeah, absolutely huge. I mean, the tax at the moment um, over here, the tax incentive is not quite so much on the purchase of the vehicle but it's on the ownership of the vehicle and um, let's say, uh, I don't know if you have the same expression, company car? Yep. You do. Um, so let's say if, if you work for a company um, and you're given the car as a sort of perk for the job. Right. Over here, you have to pay personal taxation on that vehicle. You do, you do here as well. And it's, over, over the last five, six years, it's gone up from being a sort of nominal amount, say $100, and it's gone right up now. So that if you have the equivalent of an Audi A6 or an Audi A8, something like that, uh, you know, $50,000, $60,000 car, um, your personal... The tax that you pay for that company car has now gone up right up. So it's it's in the region of three, four thousand dollars a year. Um, 
just the tax that you would pay for the privilege of having that car, whereas the um, battery electric cars and the plug-in hybrids, you're going to be paying around about a quarter of that. So the difference would be you personally be paying, say, eight hundred or a thousand dollars instead of four thousand dollars and a huge number of people would just say look I can't be bothered with having an Audi A6 or an Audi A8 um, it's not worth three thousand <laughs> a year yes uh, for that whatever you call it a bit of status symbol or um, such like but yeah I think I think the the whole dynamic of of why people are buying things and it's, it's going to change so dramatically um, from now onwards and um, I can see that the likes of Tesla I, I, I can see them selling absolutely every single car that they can bring off their production line um, over here alone, let alone in the United States and and uh, Canada and elsewhere. I mean, right. Just I, I, I think the market currently they're sort of producing. I think around eighty thousand or in that region, but I think they can be producing half a million or a million cars a year, and they will be bought up very quickly. Right. Right. And the other thing here that makes our gasoline price, our petrol price, uh, so expensive is that it's heavily taxed in the provinces. So when you purchase your your gasoline, uh, an easy one third of that dollar five is taxation. It's not going to the oil companies; it's going to the government. Yeah. So so you know if people stop buying gasoline in mass. That would mean that the government revenues would somewhat dry up uh, compared to what they're getting today. And that is going to cause upheaval as well, because they'll need to switch their taxation model to get the tax dollars or revenue from another spot if the gasoline purchases start going down. Even more so here, I think it's close to 70%, seven, seven zero. Um, the taxation would be on from the petrol pump. Will be going directly to the uh, to the government. So my yeah. goodness, seventy percent is yeah, tax. Yeah. Wow. Right. That that's how it adds up because, yeah, the you know a barrel of oil is 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 about fifty dollars or so, and um, yeah, when you're buying it per liter from the pump, um, yeah, seventy percent of that is going to to the government. But you're right. The, the government has got a huge headache on its uh, coming very soon, which is the tens and tens of billions of dollars or pounds that they're um, bringing in from uh, from from fuel stations um, just won't be there. Exactly, exactly. So yeah, we've got we've got a government here that's pushing electric vehicles in one sense. But if it becomes very successful, they're going to have to change what they're doing in another sense to keep the taxation dollars flowing. They will, yeah. And um, I wouldn't want to be the person in charge of that of that um, 
discovering the new taxes to lay on to the people. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the financial jiggery pokery that is going to have to go on to, um, they, they're going to have to start taxing the air that we breathe, I think. <laughs> I, I would not doubt that. <laughs> no, no, I wouldn't doubt it here anyway. Um, brilliant. Okay, well, I think we're coming to the end of, it, of, of, of this podcast today. And thank you very, very much for joining me this evening. You're, you're quite welcome. I hope I wasn't uh, speaking in a language that was too confusing. I, I think we got we got through it okay. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, it, it's quite sort of um, enjoyable in a way to sort of realize that uh, the the Anglophone world is... is is we we sort of understand each other, but there's 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 things that there's certain words that we don't really understand really. Um, <laughs> and and just a, a just a shout out to any uh, Canadians that are listening to the show. Uh, happy Canada Day, which is coming up tomorrow. Wow, is it really? Happy yeah, Canada yeah. July first is Canada Day. Okay, and what? Please excuse my ignorance. Um. Did, was that independence from our British Empire? <laughs> it, was, it was. It was not the actual day. No, I, you know we we succeeded from Britain in a in a peaceful way, as you know, unlike the United States. Uh, but uh, it's it, it was a day that was picked uh, as a good holiday. So really, it, it, the day is not significant except that. It's typically good weather across Canada on July 1st, and that's the day they picked. Okay, great. Well, happy Canada Day tomorrow. Um, I, I'm slightly less ignorant about um, the northern part of North America. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, thanks. Thank you so much for joining me tonight. And Oh, you're um, welcome. It was, it was quite enjoyable. I, I appreciate uh being invited on and maybe we can do it again sometime yeah is there a, a twitter handle or anything that you want to promote uh if you're interested in uh volts and uh, the gm electrification chain uh, please feel free to follow us on twitter at uh, at wr that's at w-r-v-o-l-t-e-c and that's waterloo Region. It stands for Waterloo Region Voltec, correct. <laughs>